Dusty White is back, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man. Welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Conversation. I'm Pastor Bob Thune, here with Pastor Dusty White of Cormodia Church and Pastor Chris Hellman of First City Church. On Wednesdays, we sit down and talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ connects to the questions and issues of everyday life. Today, we're talking about the creep of Christian nationalism. I'll explain more in a moment. First, snack shout-outs. Yeah. Wow. First, well, let me see. we got we got to dial back the clock first. Josh and Lindsay are friends of ours in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and they sent us some amazing cookies right before Christmas when we were oh, taking man. like a two-week break from recording the Wednesday conversation. So they were like, hey, we want to give you guys some snacks. And so these snacks literally showed up, and then I had to just let the staff team eat them because we Did didn't Did you eat them all? Them. I they were really good. You, they you were have some, done that before. They were they were uh they were some kind of like a a Christmas maple kind of cookie and they were delicious. And I'm, I I'm disappointed. I saw Josh in Portland in November and he told me he was going to do that. Yeah, and so and he did. Man. And it was literally Sorry, like it was literally like well if I kept these I would be keeping them for two weeks and that's they're probably not going to be good then so let's just eat them. I had one, Chris. I should have drove one over to your house. Yeah, that would have been fun. <laughs> Sorry for not doing that. <laughs> Dusty, uh, what do we have today? We have a whole tray yeah. of various, and so it, it's basically an international smorgasbord. Yeah, there's a lot of things on here from our friend Katrina. Yes. Uh, who I don't think really wanted to be known. Oh, she just wanted to be incognito. But I caught her. I caught her with display with this tray. Katrina is originally from Kazakhstan. And this, this does seem, this, this is a very internet, like it's, it's kind, it's the kinds of things that look like what you'd buy at a store in America, but none of them are from, these are not like Keebler or uh, Nabisco or whatever the major, this is like purchased from the international. What do we have here, Chris? We have like a, so we have, well, the first thing that's that the thing you're holding in your hand makes me real nervous. These are uh, some kind of chip, but this is the flavor. It is sizzling squid is the flavor. They're literally a Lay's potato chip but flavored with squid. And I just told Chris, I don't know what squid tastes like. So I don't really want to try those because, but Katrina says these are her favorite. Katrina wants you to know out of this tray, those are her favorite chips. Yeah, so I might need to try this. And they're, the the labeling looks like it is in uh, Chinese, perhaps. I don't, I but, don't know what it's But not. it says negative 50% something. And so it's 50% <laughs> less of something, but I don't know what. I like that it does say lays on it. Yeah, there's it's definitely not Chinese, but I don't know what language it is. I don't read those characters. Or instead of that, you could have a purple sweet potato wafer roll. Which We've also got sponge cakes filled with cocoa cream. We've got like little, uh, it's basically like little Debbie's, but but the uh, international version. And then some, uh, yeah, just all kinds of, there's an almond. What is this? It's like a, a lot little, of things. Like a little... Um, Flavor stick. What it's? What do you Pre- call this? Is this like a pretzel stick with? Yeah, like it's like a pretzel flavor stick on it? with yeah. almond. Uh, There's these are seven from Korea. Anyway, there are seven different seven things. seven different things, and we just want to say thanks for thinking of us. And Katrina, thanks for going above and beyond. I mean, we're we're going to be eating these snacks probably for a few episodes to come. Yeah, she did say put this in your leftover cabinet. Yes, it'll be there. It'll be waiting for us next time. We're not going to eat it all today. Now we get to the topic of the day. We have talked in the past on this podcast about Christian nationalism. Episode 321, I looked back. We did an episode in episode 321 on Christian nationalism. We also did one way back in 2019 before our episodes even had numbers. 
I, get, I had to like manually count. I think it was episode 257. But basically, like I think we started numbering them, but then we didn't go. And we started with the number. It was like we started at like 220, but then we didn't retroactively number them. Uh-huh. So basically everything before that is just like, I don't know, it was an episode. So we, we talked in that episode uh, about nationalism in some form. So we've, we've spent a few episodes in the past talking about this. There's an article that appeared recently at World Opinions, which is the sort of editorial online opinion um, journal of World Magazine. It's written by Andrew Walker. <laughs> the title of the article is, Look Out, They're Coming! Or, How to Pre-Order My Forthcoming Book <laughs> on the Existential Threat of Dangerous, Power-Hungry, Un-American, Idolatrous, Progressive Christian and Atheist Nationalism. Yeah, that's, that's quite the subtitle. Well, he, obviously he's poking a little fun there. And the thrust of this article is basically Andrew Walker is, um, it's a little bit of a, pol- a polemical piece. He's, he's, he's poking the bear a little bit, but what he's doing is to say, hey, suddenly everything is Christian nationalism. Like the, the new boogeyman is Christian nationalism. And he's just writing a little, it's a very short piece that basically says, hey, um, as a Christian just be ready for everybody to start calling you a Christian nationalist, whether you are one or not, and whether they even know what that is or not, because that's kind of where the the cultural dialogue is trending. And I thought this was worth talking about because I think, you know, since all of us are Christians living in America, and since America is a very politicized environment, uh, it, it's wise for us to be aware of ways that the world out there is being trained to think of us in certain ways or to relate to us in certain ways or that we will be labeled in certain ways. And I think this article yeah, makes a fair point here that I've seen this um, this trend growing more and more where it's like, oh, if you're a Christian and you have any kind of conservative leaning at all, you must be a Christian nationalist. Anything, Dusty, you want to say before him? Well, he even says that. Even if you don't use the label for yourself, a lot of secularists or progressives would probably call you that. Yes. Let me read a few uh, selections from the article as a jumping off point, and then we will um, just use that as a, as a source of conversation for the rest of our time together. Oh, wait, before I read this, <clears throat> I want to mention, you may remember a couple years ago, episode 367, we did an episode on World Magazine, and I talked about how they sort of were moving in a direction where they were going to start doing more commentary rather than news, and I was disappointed about that. And so I, I think it's funny that I'm reading an article today from World Opinions, which is the, the thing they started. And I was like, mm, I don't know that that's going to be great. And actually what I don't like about this article is it has a little bit of that feistiness to it. That I'm like, yeah, that's what I don't like about it. Like I think Andrew Walker is both raising an important point here, but also doing it in a way that's a little bit like Let's punch back, and mm-hmm. I don't. I don't love that. W- would you prefer him to put this in his Substack than World? I don't know. I don't. Or you re- still want him to do it at all? I just think you know he's the to- the flavor and tone of the piece has a little bit of a like. Oh look, everybody thinks we're Christian nationalists now, but they're all a- they're all atheist nationalists. You know, mm-hmm. instead of it's it's I, I would say it's instead of sort of a reflective piece, it's more of a polemical piece, mm-hmm. and again, that's not always bad, but. I do want to acknowledge that it it come this article is written with a certain slant is another way to say it. However, what he raises is funny because of this initial paragraph where I was like, well, you can't argue that the fact that those titles are on my Amazon account 
Here's the intro. There's a cottage industry of books meant to direct your attention to the looming threat of Christian nationalism. Consider some of the available titles. Preparing for War, The Extremist History of White Christian Nationalism. The Flag and the Cross, White Christian Nationalism and the Threat to American Democracy. American Idolatry, How Christian Nationalism Betrays the Gospel and Threatens the Church. The Founding Myth, Why Christian Nationalism is Un-American. The Power Worshippers, Inside the Dangerous Rise of Religious Nationalism. The Violent Take It by Force, The Christian Movement That is Threatening Democracy. So he just listed six titles of six different books that are all throwing out Christian nationalism as the new Violence, violence everywhere. Wow. They're getting a lot of traction on January 6th. Yeah. So Andrew Walker's saying, hey, anytime you see this many books sprouting up about the new threat of Christian nationalism, you should be a little skeptical that it's this important that we need to write six books about it. He goes on to write, I sense they are trying to tell us something. I don't use the label Christian nationalist for myself, but secularists and progressives would likely apply the label to me. We should be clear-eyed that Christian nationalism is this generation's progressive epithet used to discredit and scapegoat conservative Christianity. Christian nationalism is the rallying cry of the moment that allows progressive angst to congeal around an identifiable and discreditable enemy. This does not mean to deny this is not meant to deny the reality that there are troubling ideas, episodes, and figures on the Christian right to critique and reject. The problem I see is the proportion of attention given to quote-unquote Christian nationalism, while progressive secularism, which no doubt functions as its form of nationalist banner, receives no scrutiny or admission of its progressive biases. When you consider how atheists are more political than Christians, or that mainline Protestant liberalism tends to outspokenly cast its ministry objectives in political terms, one must ask whether there's a slant and a bias to the coverage. What's doubly fascinating is that a new study from Neighborly Faith that examines the issue of Christian nationalism defines terms cautiously and judiciously. Its findings are noteworthy because using its own methodology, Christian nationalists make up an exceedingly small percentage of America. So to comment here, when you define when a pollster defines Christian nationalism precisely, it turns out a very small percentage of Americans are Christian yeah, nationalists. Yeah. When you just use that term to mean anybody who's a Christian and has national or patriotic uh, feelings, now we have a term that's so big and broad that it serves as an epithet that can sort of be thrown at, you know, conservative Christians in a very um, broad-based way. And that, I think, is what Walker is taking issue with. That is the question that I always have in this conversation is, can someone please tell me what a Christian nationalist is specifically? And I know there are those who have written on this specifically. Uh, the author, uh, Stephen Wolf, I believe his name is, wrote a book called Christian Nationalism, and he he laid out a specific view of this. I mean, and so that is an example of a Christian nationalism a version of it, but I still have yet to hear, okay, when we were talking about Christian nationalism, what, what does this even mean? What are you arguing against? And so I, I'm, I'm always skeptical of the critique until you're telling me exactly what it is you're critiquing. 
Well, to and, and I guess to nuance a little bit the the hits and misses of this piece, I think he is naming something real that this term is used way more broadly than is helpful and that lots of these writers have an axe to grind with conservative-leaning Christians. And so they're using Christian nationalism as an epithet to attack a certain group of people. On the other hand, I would want to acknowledge like, yeah, and there are real Christian nationalists out there that I think we could critique and that I do not necessarily agree with. And so where it puts Christians in an odd spot is, to his point, like, I don't think I would call myself a Christian nationalist, but I bet there are a lot of people that would call me that just because I tend to be more conservative leaning and I'm a Christian and I, you know, I like America and I, I might have, you know, some positions on broad national issues that wouldn't make progressives super happy. Yeah. And if you take, I, I haven't read any of the books on this list, but I'm assuming each and every one of them are going to point to January 6th as this reference point of violent Christian nationalism. And you see the pictures of people holding up the signs that reference the Christian faith. But I bet if you were to actually sit down and talk to any of the people that were there and say, are you a Christian nationalist? I doubt any of them would be like, yes, I'm a Christian nationalist. And it's very clearly defined way. Right. And, and then the other piece of this that you see is this threat against democracy, threat against democracy. Can someone please, again, tell me how are Christian nationalists a threat against democracy? Is it a reference again to the perceived insurrection of January 6th? And however you view that event, I don't think any of those people were trying to say, let's do away with democracy. So to me, the, the arguments here just are so nebulous. They're, they're, they're so ill-defined that, that, that sometimes it just, I think of these books, I'm like, are these things, are these the kind of books that are actually going to be helpful a year from now, two years from now? Are people going to be referencing this cottage industry of research or is it just going to be, hey, this was this moment where they critiqued this thing five years from now, all of it is irrelevant. Yes, my my vote is for number two. Five okay. years from now, all these books will be irrelevant, as will this conversation. Yeah, yeah. But here we are talking <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah, because I mean, even the, the you know Donald Trump, the boogeyman of Donald Trump. Does Donald Trump call himself a Christian nationalist? Could he? De- would, would you define him as a Christian nationalist in any way, shape, or form? No. So this, it it just it feels weird to me. I think Walker's point that Christian nationalism is this generation's progressive epithet used to discredit and scapegoat conservative Christianity. I think there's some truth to that. Meaning, and I think Andrew Walker means it in a little more of a culture war way. You know, he's like, hey, you know, I, I think he, there's a little bit of an entrenchedness I sense in this, in this essay. It's a little bit of sort of like a let's fight back. I think it's interesting from an analytical standpoint to just acknowledge that, um, you know, anytime you have a fight for the the culture, which is, I mean, that's always true in America, but especially now, right? There's like people who are like, you know, what are we going to become and who's going to grab the steering wheel and what direction is the country going to go in? Anytime you have those kinds of conversations, you have a fight for the lexicon, right? Whoever can define mm-hmm. the lexicon and say, well, here's the here's the enemy and here's what we should do about it. That's a winning strategy. I mean, that that's actually why Trump has been compelling is because his whole make America great again, whatever you think about that slogan, that slogan has worked for him in really unique ways. And he has leveraged that slogan and, you know, it's become like a little mantra and a little rallying cry because slogans and language does that. And in a similar way to, 
if if sort of progressive angst about Christians or about conservative ideas can grab hold of an idea like Christian nationalism, that, okay, Chris, we know there are at least a few Christians who do hold this and have said they hold it. And so the more people we can pile into that category, the more worried we can make people about mm-hmm. what that means or might mean. And then it sells books. <laughs> it it generates podcast listeners. It it pushes energy that people are worried about that all of a sudden. And yeah. so we, you know, and that's what I, that's how I see it functioning in our cultural dialogue is this term, which used to be trying to describe a sort of something very specific has increasingly just become sort of like a broad category to lump anybody who has conservative viewpoints into. Yeah. And then we can sort of like shoot the fire hose at that and tell people how, how terrible that is and how we should all reject it. Here's one of my growing concerns, I'd say is there are certainly groups within Christendom or, you know, broadly evangelical Christianity in the United States that have weird relationships with politics, weird views of politics, uh, that, that, you know, we'll acknowledge. And then if you think of maybe more our tribe, broadly speaking, that has a sensitivity in some ways to the way that we can make politics an idol. Like that, that is a real thing. We're sensitive to that. We want to be gospel centered. We want to be biblical. Jesus is our Lord, not a particular political party. But labels like this, books like this, that want to press that issue that somehow Christian nationalism or Christian nationalism adjacent is political idolatry, making it idol of politics. And those of us that are trying to be sensitive to this, we can hear this over and over and over, and it can actually start to create this disengagement of politics from people who do need to be engaged thoughtfully. And so one of my concerns is, is that this this mantra being spoken over and over and over and over again is going to cause some very well-meaning believers to not engage culturally and politically in ways that they need to because of the fear of, I'm a Christian nationalist, I'm making this an, an idol, wrestling with that. And and, and it's just, a, and politics is a mess already. And so it could be very easy for us to just kind of throw up our hands and go, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm over it. I'm not going to be like that. And, Have and, you ever heard any progressive people acknowledge that they have their own political idolatry yeah, or that is, it, is too. it only yeah. the nationalists exactly who have that? that too yeah. yeah when when all the data shows that more left-leaning people and and even atheists are more political than christians and so we're not the ones with the problem actually if you look at look at the statistics that is that's an interesting point that's a huge point in fact that's a huge point because even while i'm listening to you which by the way chris is standing up right now i just feel like listeners need to know that i i taking a different approach today. And, I like uh, it. and it is, it is good. And that while you're talking about that, I'm like feeling like that's what I'm doing. I think I've actually like kind of backed up a little bit. Yeah, I know. I've been definitely been guilty um, of this. And so like, I'm listening to you personally going like, Oh, that's probably me. Like I've, I probably backed up a little bit politically. Well, this article links a couple studies, one on atheist political involvement and one on progressive political involvement. And what the data shows is that both of those groups, atheists and people who sort of would self-identify as progressives, are more political than Christians. And yet the perception is that like Christian right, you know, Christians who are idolizing politics, Christians who, you know, think Trump is the Messiah or whatever, the, the perception that's created out there in the world is that Christians are the people who are political. Even the number of uh, analyses I saw after the Iowa caucuses a couple weeks ago was like, here's how the evangelicals voted. You know, it's just like, that's what you're, you're always going to hear that. It's like 
the Christians who are the ones who are really engaging politically when in fact the data shows were the least politically engaged compared to atheists and progressives. And so there is a difference between what the facts and the data shows and what sort of the perception that gets created by the, by the narrative. Yeah. It reminds me of what we talked about last week where there, there can be a perception that the, the reason Christians are persecuted, the problem is, is that we're not acting Christian enough when we're actually being persecuted for holding to nature. And it's a similar thing here where the perception is, is that Christians are making this an idol, but the reality is, is we're not largely, again, doesn't take away from the fact that there are those that do, but on the whole, that's, that's not actually the problem. And so we need to shift the, our understanding of what's actually going on. The problem I see writes Walker is the proportion of attention given to Christian nationalism while progressive secularism receives no scrutiny or admission of its progressive biases. I don't know what the solution to this problem is, but basically what he's naming here is the reason that things like Fox News exist, right? Is because Fox News is just like a a conservative right-wing reaction to (laughs) the fact that the mainstream media got to a place where it was like basically doing this of like, here's all those terrible conservatives are doing their thing. And so they're just like, well, we can do that back to you. And so I feel like the, the polarizing of our society has led to the, to the reality where it's like progressives always think that conservatives are evil and conservatives always think that progressives are evil. And it's hard to find people who would critique the biases of both yeah. or who would talk about the idolatry of both. And so arguably, Chris, as pastors, that's our job, right? Our job is to say, nope, because we serve Jesus, let's be clear-eyed about the potential biases and blind spots and idolatries that will exist in all kinds of different political involvement. And it feels like what we get in our culture and increasingly in Christian publishing is, well, there's a new boogeyman called Christian nationalism. And so we know if we can just push that out to people that's the thing people want to get really nervous about yeah. right now. And, you know, anxiety sells. Yeah. And it feels like we're always just punching right. Yeah. Just punch right, punch right, punch right. Yeah. Like, okay. When appropriate, but there's also plenty of things going on and maybe even say more going on on the left. Well, I don't even like the right and left because the national, the, the, to me, the problem is your, the problem you brought up before, which is that nobody defines this term. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's good. So I think I've said this before. If I haven't, I've said a version of it. I am a Christian. And I'm a nationalist, but I'm not a Christian nationalist. But I think the fact that I'm, you know, I think of nationalist compared to globalist, right? Like I think like, yeah, man, each country has a right to sort of define its own culture, its own boundaries, its own language, its own borders. Like there needs to be a strong national identity. I think immigrants to the United States should have to learn English. Yeah. That's like a very, used to be a very non-controversial thing. Yeah. Now it's very controversial to say that. That's an example of sort of a, a nationalistic sort of perspective that would say, yeah, the nation assimilating to the life of a nation really matters. And what you see in Europe with a lot of the Muslim immigration is like, and when you don't assimilate, what you end up with is a lot of cultural strife because people aren't learning to like inhabit a new society and sort of join and be part of a new nation. So I use nationalist in that way. However, the challenge is because I would say, well, yeah, if you ask me to raise my hand and say, who's a Christian, I'd probably raise my hand. If you ask me to say, are you a nationalist or a globalist? I probably raised my hand for nationalist. And what I just did, if you're in the room and you saw me raise my hand yeah. for both, Chris, yes. you get to write a book about how Bob Thune is a Christian yeah. nationalist. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's what's going on here a lot. Yeah. It's like, oh, 
those people are Christian nationalists. Nope. Actually, that means something quite different. And, and you raise another point. The term nationalist, how is that being defined? Because there, there are various nuances and ways of thinking about that. I mean, uh, last weekend, Mindy and I were down in Kansas City at the World War One Museum. And historians have tied nationalism, a type of nationalism to that war, what caused that war. And there are ways in which that is true. But it was interesting. I was watching one of the videos and the video said something to the effect of nationalism uh, was unique to this time period. And I'm thinking, no, no, nationalism has been around since humans have been around. And it, there was some unique political implications and forms of nationalism that took place at that time. But Nash, again, you have to define what nationalism means because it is, it is a reality that takes shape no matter who you are and where you are. So there, there, we're, I guess we're dealing with two terms that have been so ill-defined that you can just throw them at anybody if it just smells like it in any way, shape, or form that you don't like. Chris, would you like to go purchase and read all six of these books and then do book reviews for us? Uh, I don't know <laughs> if I have time for that. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. But man, there's apparently at least six books on the threat of Christian nationalism and even white Christian nationalism. Yeah. So at least that is a thing. I think that's a thing out there in some very, very small subset of the population. I think these books imply that it's like the great, the great new existential threat to democracy. Yeah. I, I have a hard time believing that. That's the one that I'm, I'm just curious what they have to say about that one. You know, the, the American idolatry, how Christian nationalism betrays the gospel and threatens the church. Like I have, a fairly good understanding of probably what's going to be said there, but the threat to democracy one just, I'm like, huh? I'm really curious about what, where they see that. Yeah. And obviously there are people, there are people, <laughs> even if we define the term well, so let's, let's narrow down the 0.06% of the population that would self-identify as Christian nationalists. And even in that population, there's going to be a spectrum of what does that mean? Mm -hmm. because the concern is some of those people are what you would call ethno-nationalists. Like it, it sort of is the old World War One. like it's a very ethnic vision yeah. of, yeah. and that's where you get the white Christian nationalists. There really are people out there that fit that category. They're just a very small and insignificant minority. And yeah, they do stuff online. They write blogs and, you know, they're obnoxious on social media. But I promise you, they're a very, very small proportion of any population, let alone even the people who think about this stuff. Yeah. So outsized voice for the actual influence and in numbers. Right. Yeah, right. Um, you know, so it, it feels to me like the 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 level of concern about the quote unquote threat here versus the actual substance of the is there a threat here, you know, feels very out of out of sorts to me it mm -hmm. feels very non-proportional yeah is there anything that we should be doing in consideration of this so like when chris is saying uh you, you know your concern about christians pulling back from politics or being nationalists in general is there anything else that is like here's how to think about this here's how to consider this um obviously this podcast episode is about like hey this is out there but is there anything i can like do. One, don't be a, an ethno-nationalist Christian. There yeah. are those people out there. And I find like there's, there's some one or two or seven people in every church that are like into that. And I just think like, don't be that person. That, that's dangerous <laughs> yeah. and unbiblical. Stay off the dark web. Okay? Stay off the dark web. Don't go down that rabbit hole. That's, so that's one thing is I think there is a real danger here, but it's a very small danger that appeals to a very certain kind of person. 
for the, for the, the rest of us, Dusty, I think what we can do and should do is like engage more fully in politics. And re- part of my compulsion over the next few years of my life is trying to help Christians do better political theology, trying to help us really think well about what does the Lordship of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. mean yeah. for politics. Yeah. And let's just be unanxious and unapologetic about policies that we need to be pushing forward and pursuing. And let's try to, you know, let's try to be engaged politically in ways that are not um, afraid of being called something that we're not, you know, or that aren't, that aren't shrinking back because like, well, I don't want to be too political. Instead, I, I like to, I mean, this isn't my language. I borrowed it from somebody, but somebody used to say, you know, the gospel is political, but not partisan. I think that's really true. Jesus is the Lord of heaven and earth. You know, the early church said, you know, that Jesus is Lord. And that was a specific statement against Caesar, you know, because the Romans said Mm -hmm. Caesar is Lord. So we need to have a really robust engagement politically and probably just have a little more courage to say, yeah, I know some people are going to call me a weirdo. I don't care. I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about what my, you know, what the deconstructing guy down the street says about me, you know, because I vote or because I have an opinion on who should be mayor or who I'm backing for the city council yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and this is a, this is a very off the cuff sort of theological statement here. But I mean, if you think about what we're about in proclaiming the gospel and making disciples, what do we want to see the effect of that is that there's actually renewal in society and that has to come through politics. We have to be engaged. And sometimes we have to push law before we can't sit around and wait for everybody to become a Christian in order to change laws. Like, no, we want to actually change laws through the political process that more reflect biblical So you're truth. saying you're a Christian nationalist. I guess I am. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm just saying yeah. that's, see, <laughs> yeah. you've yeah. named exactly the tension, which yeah. is like, yeah. as soon right as you there. say, like, oh, you want to change a law? Yes. Now, right? Now <laughs> yes. you're a Christian. Only Christian nationalists want yeah. to change the law. Yeah. yeah. No normal person wants to have yeah. a new law. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, that's it's, ridiculous, yeah. people. Everybody yeah. wants to change the law. Yeah. So feel so, free so, to. So to that point, we, we should not be afraid yeah, of that exactly. level of engagement. We should care about that level exactly. of engagement. Because, I mean, it's the question. It's like, hey, would, would, as Christians, do we not want our laws to more reflect the Bible? I would think so. I think we would hope that if we believe God's word is true and that's the uh, a vision of human flourishing. So to not be afraid to to yeah. say this is what we're we're after. All right. Well, if you want to read the article, it's titled "Look Out, They're Coming." You can find it at World Opinions. I would offer all the caveats I already did. You will find it a little bit polemical and maybe a little bit um, feisty, uh, but I think. Uh, Andrew Walker is raising a, a real thing that Christians need to be aware of in you know the epithets that will be thrown at us and the categories we will be put in uh, if you have any political opinions at all. So uh, you can read the article if you'd like to, but more importantly, hope that this conversation has helped you sort of reflect on your own political engagement and involvement and helps you continue to stay engaged in a non-anxious and courageous way um, to seek the good of the city that you live in. And uh, Thanks for listening in. As we always say, this podcast exists to equip our own church for discipleship and mission. So if you're a Christian or a church leader in another context, we always say, hey, thanks for listening. We pray this conversation will be helpful to you as you minister in your context. And we always love to hear from listeners. In fact, next week we'll be tackling an episode that a listener teed up for us. So as you have thoughts or questions or podcast topics that you'd like to hear us talk about, 
send an email to podcast at cdomaha.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Wednesday Conversation.